Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We're back at it. It's Hockey Central. I'm Haley Salvian. The Calgary Flames taking on the Colorado Avalanche tonight. One of 10 games around the league on Thursday evening. Flames have not won a season opener since 2009. Is this the year? We'll find out. We'll have Julian McKenzie on at the top of the hour. He's the new Calgary Flames beat reporter for The Athletic. He took my job over in the offseason. So we're going to have him on. We'll tee up the game. We'll talk some Flames. He'll be on for quite a bit. Then Mike McKenna, the former NHL goalie, DFO, NHL analyst, is going to join us at 140. Goalie carousel went round and round this summer. We'll get into that. We'll talk some Jacob Markstrom, who's expected to start tonight. Not a surprise there for the Calgary Flames. In the meantime, lots to get into. Lots of games last night. Some takeaways we can get into, especially as it relates to the Western Conference, to the Pacific Division. Let's bring in uh, Logan Gordon, my producer, co-host, handyman, jack-of-all-trades for Sports at 960. Logan, what's up? Hey, Haley. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. Excited for tonight. Yeah. What's your What's your game day routine? I heard the Brody on the Beat segment from The Big Show. It was really funny. <laughs> if anyone missed that on uh, Sports at 960, I loved it. Essentially, they went around and just asked, you know, what's your game day routine and are you going to change it this year? Because the Flames have gone 12 straight season openers without a win. Do you change your morning routine? I know it's different because we're in the media, but what's your game day routine when the Flames are playing? Well, see, this is my first year covering the Flames for Sportsnet, so it'll be a new routine for me. So I'm hoping that I'm the good luck charm and I'll take total credit <laughs> for any win that stops the streak tonight. But You should. And I'll just continue to do that <laughs> for the rest of the year. So that's my plan for tonight. Amazing. When you're like when you're just watching as a fan, did you do anything specific? And we'll open up the text line for that too, 960, 960. Let us know. Are you changing your game day routine? Or are you sticking with it and hoping like this is the year where things are going to change? And even regardless, like what do you do before a game? Because I know for me, I just, if I'm working a game, if I have to write about a game, I was pinch hitting on uh, report cards last night, the Leafs, Montreal Canadiens. I'm a national writer now, so I'm trying to help where I can. Something came up last minute. Our Leafs guy couldn't do it, and I was stressed out. I had, like, pages and pages of notes. I'm like, i got to make sure that whoever gets to see, like, I've got to have notes on this. So I'm, like, a stressful sport watcher when I'm working. I miss the fan days, so let me live vicariously through everybody. What are you doing today? Tell me. What do you do, Logan, when you were just a fan? That's a good idea. You know, I don't <laughs> know that I had a specific routine when I was a no? fan. I think I had, like, some favorites that I used to, especially here in Calgary, you have some cult favorites when it comes to like food at the Saddle Dome. I know there are fans here that have to get a pocket dog if they're going to the dome Absolutely. or have to get a malt while they're here. I used to, I think when I was a kid, it was the snow cones for me that were always a big deal. <laughs> but I, I heard a lot about the beer when I moved to Calgary, and I'm celiac, so I never got to experience it. But the first thing that a lot of people told me when I moved to Calgary was like, there's something about the beer in the Saddle Dome. And the beer's changing this year, too. Oh, no. We're going to, I think, Original 16 is taking over for Budweiser. So the dome foam is is changing. Maybe that's the secret recipe the Flames needed to, <laughs> to turn this around, was changing the taps finally at the Saddle Dome to something different. We'll, we'll see. I guess we'll figure that out tonight. That game goes on 8 o'clock? 7.30. 7.30? It'll probably be 8 by the time It'll probably be player eight, yeah. are done. Come on. Who are we kidding? That game's going to be at 8 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go around lots of games last night. There were some interesting takeaways. Colorado Avalanche beat the Chicago Blackhawks 5-2. to two. Wasn't exactly a you know, game where they maybe had to work up a sweat. I mean, I'm sure they did. But the Avs are coming to Calgary Thursday night for the season opener, as we've talked about. We'll get into previewing that matchup with Julian when he comes on in a few moments. But for me, it was hard to have meaningful takeaways from a game between the Cup champions and a team that's Kind of been designed to lose via its teardown in Chicago. So I think if anything, you just wonder, did the Avs provide a blueprint for Chicago or any rebuilding team? Because that's the most interesting thing for me when I'm looking at the Colorado Avalanche in the context of a game against the Chicago Blackhawks is in four seasons, the Avs went from a 48-point disaster to cup champions. Are they an inspiration for teams trying to tank or are they kind of an anomaly 
I think it's kind of complicated because not every team can tank its way to Kale McCarr uh, or Nathan McKinnon or other elite players. Not every team can can swing that success so quickly. And I'm sure, you know, Flames fans can relate to the frustration of not having high draft picks. You don't get a number one pick or you don't necessarily hit it out of the park with four or five or six when you're kind of constantly not getting that really good pick. So I don't know. What do you think? Are they an inspiration or is that tough to repeat? I think it's tough to repeat. I also think so much of it is also comes down to the draft classes, Haley, when I look at it, because you really have to make those picks count when you're in those situations. Like I remember last draft in Montreal here, everyone was talking because the Arizona Coyotes had all of those picks and they're saying, okay, well, this is the, it's you know, the start of their rebuild and the turnaround for them. And well, I understand why you might feel that way. I also think it's premature to say that just because you have a large number of draft picks and some of them happen to be near the top, you still have to make those picks count. And that being said, when you have a pick or you have an opportunity like that, say in the top five, and you happen to miss out on it, I think it's even more detrimental to the process. So I don't know that Colorado's a a good blueprint or not for others to try to mimic. I don't, I don't even know that tanking is is necessarily the best way to go about it in a lottery system anyways in the NHL. Yeah, I, I always feel bad for Detroit Red Wings fans because they have dropped probably more than any other team, and that's been rebuilding in earnest for the last couple of years. So we'll see what the Colorado Avalanche look like tonight. They're going to look a lot different than the last time the Flames would have played them last season. Again, we'll tee that up with Julian in a few minutes. Another thing I want to talk to you about, Sean Monahan scored in his Montreal Canadiens debut last night. It was his birthday. I thought that was really nice to see. I'm sure there's a lot of fans who agree. I saw a lot of the reaction on Twitter. As we all know, Monahan has been through a lot in terms of injury over his career, specifically over the last few seasons. He had two hip replacement surgeries in the last two off seasons. He gets traded out of Calgary, essentially a cap dump deal for the Flames to be able to open enough money to bring in Nazem Kadri. I think that was hard maybe for some fans who latched on to Monaghan, who liked him as a person. Um, and he went through a lot. According to Monaghan and Sportsnet's Eric Ingalls season preview, he came back after four months with the first surgery. We knew that. And then he tore the labrum of his other hip three games into the season last season. So any kind of hopes we had that last year was the year that Monaghan would reignite, kind of just got dashed because he tears the other labrum in his hip. Kept playing, and then Monahan said in this interview that he su- he suffered three fractured ribs last season as well and said, quote, there were days where I didn't even know what I was doing practicing because I couldn't even tie my own skates. He had a nice debut with Montreal again on his birthday, and I'm just hoping he can stay healthy and turn his career around after the injuries kind of derailed it over the last few years. I'm sure there's lots of fans who agree. Maybe there's fans who say he's not on the team anymore. I don't really care. Move on. Another guy we're probably thinking that, Johnny Gaudreau. We got the first look at him in Columbus last night. Zero points. Had a couple good defensive plays, so that Daryl Sutter impact we're seeing is, is pretty lasting on Johnny Gaudreau in that sense. I saw a lot yesterday, so the, the Blue Jackets started with Patrick Laine, Johnny Gaudreau, and Boone Jenner. People start to think, wow, Boone Jenner must have won the lottery. Being the one seeing Columbus, time's been tough. Lots of people leave, and now you've got Laine and Johnny Gaudreau locked in, and they're, they're your wingers. Patrick Laine scores, really good goal. Like, that's a goal scores goal from Patrick Laine. And then he gets hurt. There's no update on that situation. Blue Jackets skated this afternoon. Patrick Laine is going to be evaluated. Results might not be known or released until later this afternoon, perhaps tomorrow. Late game's really interesting, Logan. Were you flipping back and forth? Because I I was flipping between the Oilers-Canucks game and the Ducks-Seattle game. The one thing I want to start with when it comes to Edmonton, and we'll keep it brief because we will start to preview the Battle of Alberta that's coming up on Saturday night, first one of the season. They had a really lovely tribute video before the game for Ben Stetler, the six-year-old fan who passed away this summer after a long battle with cancer. That was really nice to see. They made the comeback win over Vancouver. Power play looks dangerous again. Connor McDavid with the hat trick. We'll see what they look like on Saturday against Flames. What were you really focusing on last night? Did you watch any of the Seattle-Anaheim game? I did. I was like you. I was flipping back and forth, and I didn't think I was going to have to after Vancouver came out so strong against Edmonton in that game, but I guess that's 
a lesson for me to learn because, as everyone pointed out last night, you're never really out of a game when you have 97 on your side, and that was another uh, key example of that last night. But, yeah, I was really curious because, especially being here in Calgary, Haley, I think it's always interesting to watch teams that you're going to see on a pretty consistent basis, and the Ducks and the Kraken are both kind of an interesting spots. They've both sort of got these young talent pools and are trying to take the next step. It's Troy Terry and Trevor Zegris in Anaheim. They got Maddie Beneers and Shane Wright in Seattle. I thought it was a really entertaining matchup and cool to see Troy Terry sort of keep up his breakout season from last year with a really good start. And uh, as a Flames fan, I think you're kind of looking at both of those teams and wondering, wow, are we going to have something on our hands in a couple of years to take care of if some of these young stars work out for both of these teams. It's interesting to watch them. It's going to be fun for both of these teams to see these guys grow. Especially within the context of the Flames having this kind of elite yet aging core with players arriving at or already in their 30s, it's going to be really interesting in the Pacific Division to see how teams like Calgary and Vegas age and how teams like Seattle and Anaheim start to kind of grow where those kind of curves, those age curves, those progression curves are going to meet in the middle and, and see the the ripple effect of, of the division and the Western Conference. One thing with Seattle, Maddie Beneers did not disappoint. I, I did a Sportsnet preview with Ken Reed and uh, Sam Cosentino the other day. And Maddie Beneers was my pick for the, the rookie who was going to have the biggest impact on his team this year. He had a nice stint in Seattle last year coming out of college after the end of that NCAA season, nine points in 10 games. Looks like he's just going to pick up right where he left off. He scores two goals in the season opener for the Seattle Kraken. But conversely, Shane Wright, the fourth overall pick, played just six minutes and 14 seconds. So my question for you with a text line, whoever's listening on the podcast, send me a tweet because this show, Hockey Central Sports at 960, is available on demand, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. So let me know. Shane Wright, do you shelter him in the NHL or go and let him cook in junior or the American Hockey League? I guess he can't really go to the American Hockey League because he's too young. So what do you do? Something to keep an eye on, something to think about. It's just one game, and it was a competitive game. They ended up losing, so I can understand the coach's decision to, yeah, we're going to go with guys who are rolling, who we can depend on in the D zone, who we can depend on to score a big goal in a big moment. And that'd be probably unfair to ask Shane Wright to do that in his NHL debut. So we'll see. Something to keep an eye on. Because he's going to be a good player. Do you rush the guy? Do you go let him be the guy in the in the, in a minor in the junior leagues? What do you think, Logan? What do you do with that? It's kind of tough because it kind of feels like he's one of those guys that's probably proven all he can in junior and would benefit from going to the AHL. But obviously because of his age, it's not going to happen. So... I think in that situation, you're probably best to keep him around a place where he's going to be challenged. And I think that's probably the NHL. It might not mean as much ice time as he's hoping for or probably used to. But I got to think that going back to junior for a guy like that is probably just, I don't want to say it's below him, but he's kind of been there, done that. And I don't know Mm -hmm. what progression or development he'd really gain from going back there. At least in the NHL, you can say, hey, I'm challenging you with NHL players on a day-in, day-out basis. I think what you're hoping for with Shane Wright is that he has like a Seth Jarvis-type season where he's so good that you're like, this kid can't go back to junior. This is an NHL hockey player. And I was talking to Rod Brindamore last week on on my podcast, The Athletic Hockey Show, and that's what he was saying with, with Jarvis is he comes into training camp and you're just trying to get a look at him, right? Because he's coming into camp. He's one of your top picks. And then, and then he's so good. And it's like, well, I can't send him to the American League. But he's, he's not a junior guy anymore. He's an NHL hockey player, and he proved that in camp. He proved that through his play. Seth Jarvis was great last season for the Carolina Hurricanes. So that's that's what you're hoping for with Shane Wright this season without putting too much pressure on a really young player who hasn't been there, done that yet. So something to look out for. We've got Julian McKenzie on the line. We can probably bring him in. He can join us. We've got one more thing here. Logan, you wanted to talk about the Bruins game. And I'm I am open to... Taking this one on the teeth, I was not sure, and it's one game, so I'm not going to say I'm completely wrong yet, but I wasn't sure if the Bruins were going to be able to tread water through some of these injuries that they had in the preseason. Uh, But David Krejci, yeah, welcome back to the NHL. (laughs) Patrice Bergeron, age curve, uh, doesn't really matter. Bruins looked good last night. 
They really did, and without a couple of key pieces and Charlie McAvoy and Brad Marchand as they sort of make their way back from injury, I just wonder about the motivation level for that group, knowing that this might be the last chance for this group together with Pasternak's contract coming up. You mentioned the age curve for guys like Bergeron and Krejci. I think that's a really solid locker room going back a couple years and having a couple of runs in the playoffs that really wants to go out and do it for each other and have one more kick at a Stanley Cup chance. And I I don't know if they've got the talent to do it. It's not the same as they were four or five seasons ago. But if any if last night was any indication, you're right, it is just one game. They're not going to be as easy as out as maybe some people thought they might be. All right, let's go to the Ask Pizza hotline. I've left him waiting long enough. I apologize. Julian, my colleague, The Athletic, took over my job. He's the new Calgary Flames beat writer, moved to Calgary, I guess a month ago now. Julian, when did you when did you get to Calgary? Hey, everybody. Uh, it will be a month in two days. Amazing. Are you loving it? It's one of my favorite cities. I really I love like Calgary. It. I honestly, man, like... I wasn't really sure what to make of the city before I came here, but mm-hmm. it, it surpassed a lot of my expectations. I really like it here. Do you have a car? Yes, I do. I've been able to drive around. I don't live like too far from the rink. So legit, like whenever I go for practices or games, it's like it's just about a 10 minute drive. I drive over the yeah. reconciliation bridge and and make my way down the Olympic way. And it's, yeah. it's really Perfect. nice. And I'm not too far yeah. from anyone else. Perfect. Do not like, like you need to take advantage. This is my one piece of advice away from flames beat stuff is yeah. take advantage of the fact that you live near the Rocky mountains. Cause it's, you're not going to get that in many places. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Give them some tips guys. When I, so when I moved to Calgary and I started on the beat, Pat Steinberg had me on and he actually tried to trick me. He asked me how to pronounce the city properly. And I'm not going to do that to you. It's Calgary, not Calgary. I'm going to help you out. I'm sure somebody told you that already. No. And I no, said it right. I, I, I was right. You know, exactly. It's like, it's Toronto, not Toronto, et cetera. <laughs> Anyways, whatever. Flame People season opener. Like I, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Pat tried to sewer me on the radio before I even stepped foot in the saddle dome. I, Pat Steinberg, everybody. Mean. Host of Flame Stock. I'm going to give him a talking to. <laughs> it's all right. I already, I think I already made fun of him on the radio enough. It's fine. Pat's all right. It's one of the good ones. Flames open their season tonight, Julian, against the Colorado Avalanche. They have not won a season opener since 2009. Found this. So the last time the Flames won their opener, Jerome McGinley was the captain. Mark Giordano's cap hit was $891,000, which is about what he's making in Toronto, actually. So maybe, maybe that's a sign that, hey, things are aligning. Geo is making around league minimum-ish. Maybe that's the common denominator. I don't know. Brent Sutter and Jay Bomeister are making their debuts, and Daryl Sutter was the general manager of the Flames. 12 straight seasons without a win. Julian, is this the year? Now the year I here, of course. Yes. Is this the year? <laughs> I say this is, this is the year they do it. I think – here's the thing. The Avs played the night before. They mm-hmm. celebrated their, their cup win. They're probably still in that little – post-cup days they got into calgary pretty early in the morning uh so they're probably going to be tired off of that and calgary look they've been they've been raring to get themselves going over these last few days and look i i i think with the way that they're built and and the motivation they're trying to get themselves going for and all this talk about chemistry and trying to gel i could see them in a position where they could steal one off of Colorado not to mention I mean I'm not sure who they're going to start net but maybe it's possible they don't put in their starter uh tonight as well so there is an opportunity for Calgary to get it going I I I heard about this whole 13 year layoff from winning the first game of the year I looked back on hockey reference and I was like you know what nah I I think the Flames are going to do it this year if I get proven wrong get proven wrong but I think the Flames this is the year they do it they win the first game of the year I think this is it Julian's bringing the vibes for his first opening day in Calgary. This is great. It's perfect. I have to. No choice. Uh, (laughs) So the ab starter, Alexander Georgiev, wasn't exactly tested last night uh, against the Chicago Blackhawks. I haven't seen anything from guys like Peter Barr, other Colorado writers, in terms of who might be the starter tonight. So that might be something we'll find out in warm-ups ahead of the game, something to keep an eye on who was going to start the game. 
looks like it's going to be Jacob Markstrom for the Calgary Flames. No surprises there. The lineup looks pretty similar to what we've seen throughout camp. Uh, Pat Steinberg, he's the line guy. We saw it. I've got to ask you, like, what has your takeaways been from training camp so far in terms of some of the forward lines or D combos? Like, who's really stood out to you or what lines really stood out to you uh, for whatever reason, because they need to be a little bit better, because you really like the combo? What What are you thinking? What are your takeaways from training camp? The first takeaway in terms of lines, like, I know a lot of people are focusing on the top line with Lindholm, Toffoli, and Huberto. But I really like the combo of Dubé, Kadri, and Manjapane. I think mm-hmm. you have three players that can bring some quickness, can bring some toughness. They can play decently or well or well on the defensive end. And there's like this one preseason game they played. I think it was against Seattle. And every time they were just on the ice, they were forechecking and, and creating turnovers. And they were just straight up annoying to play against. Like, mm-hmm. I literally was just like sitting up in the press box just saying like, man, these guys are really, really annoying. And I can imagine people might feel that about them individually. So imagine all three of them on one line. Like, I I really think the Flames have something with that combination there. I know some people are asking whether or not Andrew Maggiapane should just replace Tyler Toffoli on that first line. But I think you get a good balance when you have the top six looking the way that it does. I'm I'm also looking out for Mackenzie Wieger um, and, and how he'll play in that defensive core as well. Uh, he's looked pretty decently in training camp. Uh, he looks as if he'll, he'll go with Christopher Tanev, who looks as if he's healthy, and he looks pretty good too. And that top four, we, we talk about it a lot amongst ourselves, you and I, Haley. Mm-hmm. Like they, they look good. That core looks good. Like they, The defense is, is, is there, and you've hyped up McKenzie a lot for his two-way play as well. Like they, I, On paper, at the very least, and I know I've stressed on paper a lot, but they look good. They look like a playoff team. They look like a team that that should be feared and and I think even though in 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 preseason they've had moments where you know they're not necessarily looking as if they're on the same page I mean that's what preseason is for that's maybe you're not necessarily going at at 100% maybe at a 60 or 70% pace but like I I think with the way the flames are built at least there's reason to be optimistic about how this team should go uh for this season Absolutely I I like what you had to say about the the second line with Kadri, Mangiapane, and Dubé. I mean, Andrew Mangiapane, he had the breakout year that everyone kind of saw coming. And I think the really interesting part with those three players is they're they're very tenacious. They've, they're good on the forecheck. Dubé and Mangiapane have some really nice chemistry. They were typically the PK duo together last season. Daryl Sutter likes to go with his two forwards um, that will always kind of be on the PK together. So last year we saw a lot of Dubé and Mangiapane on the PK. You had Lindholm, Backlund, uh, Trevor Lewis, Blake Coleman. Those were kind of the main forward guys that were relied upon shorthanded. And I think what was great about Dubé and Mangiapane is how quick they are. They have some pretty, I think in terms of the team, probably the best straight line speed. Those two, um, you know, they they have good instincts. They're, they're And they just, they've got a... Manjipani specifically has a nose for the net and and maybe that's not as important on the PK except if you're going for a shorthanded opportunity but when you're looking at their five on five play and you're looking at a line with those two players and a center like Nazem Kadri who can score on his own he can set up his players or his line mates excuse me he he can make plays he's a he's a real dual threat and I think I like the combo of those three where you've got someone like Nazem Kadri who can make the play or someone like Dylan Dubé who can be really hard around the boards, get the puck retrievals, and you've got someone like Manjipani with the nose for the net. He can get inside position. Like most of his goals last year were right on the doorstep. He's always up the middle. He's always in the prime real estate. He's really good at getting to the, getting in between, you know, the face-off dots, getting between those lines. So I think that's a, that's a line that we're going to have to look out for. I know you had a, a bold prediction about Dylan Dubé this season. Is Dubé going to have the breakout year? that we've kind of been waiting for. He scored 18 goals last season. Some of them came in the, the latter half of the season. So I don't know. I don't want to say that he hasn't been productive, but are we going to see like a Dylan Dubé arrival in a different way this season? I think if they keep him around on that second line and he produces on that line, there's potential for it. I, I, th- I genuinely think there is an opportunity for him uh, to get to that point. I, I, I we, we kind of have something put together for um, these different uh, all 32s that we do at the athletic and we get mm-hmm. asked all these different prompts. 
And, um, you know, we, we, we ultimately decided as the Calgary consensus uh, that uh, Dylan Dubé, not only yeah, spoiler will alert, spoiler hero, alert, <laughs> only on this radio station. Not only will he be the, Still read the story. <laughs> yes, please do. Um, but Dylan Dubé, I think with with where he's placed, uh, he's not going to be in a situation where he's going to be in and out of the lineup. He'll 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 be in a situation where he'll be playing in a top six role. And I think if he continues to vibe with Nazem Kadri, he could put himself in a position where he could get thirty goals this year. That's going to be the bold prediction. Like it, it, to bold say prediction, that, like, Dylan Dubé, thirty goals, market Julian McKenzie, like like. Andrew Maggiapane to say he's going to be doing something bold like he kind of did that last year. It's yeah. kind of hard to say like, oh, Nazem Kadri's going to do something bold. You're already, he's already coming <laughs> off his best Good player going to do something good this year. <laughs> like, yeah. Predictions. Like, what do you expect right us here. to do? <laughs> it's like Dragon's Breath. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, you've heard that segment from George Russick on the, the big show, Dragon's Breath, where you just get all these ridiculous takes. Like that's, that's oh, basically is he going really saying. hot? Like, basically, like, <laughs> he gets this dragon oh, that no. he's supposedly trained, and he'll release these crazy takes, and you have to have someone who is supposed to be a voice of reason to say, like, oh, there's, there's no way this take works, and then mm. another person who's like, no, dude, like, this take, like, actually works. Like, I, I think they, one take they had last week was um, Rasmus Anderson uh, could be a nominee for, like, the Norris Trophy. I was like, dude, like, there's, there's no way... That, that is that is quite a hot take. Like he could play at his best this year, and he might be as best as like the fifth best defenseman for a Norris. I'm a fan, the fact that- for sure. Like I'm a fan of Rasmus Anderson's game. I think he really took a step in the right direction, and he continues to progress. But like Charlie McAvoy can't even get a Norris. You know, McAvoy is going to go down as probably you know like uh, even Chris Letang. No one's winning. Mm-hmm. I've got I'm so many Norris like, takes. Like- Last year, Chris Tanev <laughs> got his first vote ever for a Norris trophy like and I think it was a fifth place vote so whatever we live in a world where Kale McCarr still exists Adam Fox yeah. still exists Roman Yossi still plays at a high level uh Mort Sider won the Calder trophy last year and a lot of people are expecting him to play at a high level mm-hmm. um there's a lot of good defensemen out there so yeah. if Rasmus Anderson's gonna beat that guy uh he might be no better than fourth or fifth but all that to say like hot takes would be yeah, great for definitely. the flames 100 i agree with that absolutely 100 but uh in the meantime yeah, i don't know if he's to... gonna get to that point yeah that dragon actually is uh was just the goose that was on the field in the baseball game last night <laughs> it got thrown in the garbage <laughs> Really or it was the I pigeon that. that was sitting on the table in Montreal. Yes. Yes. That's I the... saw that. I saw a few fun photoshops out of that too. Like someone, um, a funny comedian named, uh, named uh, Lea Strensky did like a photoshop where she put the pigeon in like a Canadian jersey on the ice <laughs> with everybody. That was pretty fun. I saw a Sens fan because I worked in Ottawa for a couple of years and this was my favorite one mm-hmm. probably. A Sens fan just quote tweeted the pigeon at the microphone saying like Brendan Gallagher discusses <laughs> opening night. <laughs> it's great. Oh, it's good stuff. That's good. That's good. But anyways, we got more flames to talk about. It's the season opener, home opener tonight. Is there a new player? I know you talked about Mackenzie Weger, but is there a new player or just somebody? I guess they're all new for you technically. Like, is there someone you're really excited to see play in person? And not in terms of, you know, wow, I'm such a, a fan because we are media members, but is there someone you you want to see in terms of what they can do for this team? Because I think seeing in the preseason, seeing them in practice, it's totally different when you see them on the ice playing in an actual regular season game. Is there one guy that you're really honing in on tonight instead of maybe Mackenzie Weger, since you did touch on him and his importance already? Uh, not to go the obvious route, but... Jonathan Huberdeau is the guy I really want to focus on. And it's mm-hmm. kind of funny because, like, coming from Montreal, obviously a guy who, uh, as we would say in Montreal, obviously there would be an emphasis on him because of the fact that he was doing so well in in, in Florida, but also because you, 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 everyone in Montreal focuses on the Canadians so much. No, I didn't get to watch Jonathan Huberdeau all that much as a Florida Panther. We only mm-hmm. saw from a distance about and heard about from a distance about how good he was and the amount of assists that he was putting up. And he he's turned himself into the best left winger in the game. I'm sorry if people still think 
that it's Johnny Gaudreau and they want to hang on to that. But no, Jonathan Huberdeau, Jonathan Huberdeau, as I would say in Quebec, is the best <laughs> left winger in the game. He is a great passer. He's a good goal scorer. Daryl Sutter, straight up, just unprompted, said he's the best passer the, fra- the Flames franchise has ever had. I didn't ask yeah. that question. No one said like, hey, can you tell us who this is? No, he just said straight up, he is the best passer the franchise has ever had. And in the limited amount of time we've seen him in preseason, he has been able to show creativity. He's been able to show that he can get goals, get goals working down low. I'm not going to say he's this lightning quick skater up the ice, but so many people keep talking about that play he set up where he made that spin move and, the spin move, and, that was and skated up it. Like it was, it was unreal. There are people who are saying like, it's the best goal they've seen in like Flames preseason. Like he's, <laughs> he's going to be the star for this team. He has to make up for the lost star power this off season. And tonight is very much going to be the first of, of many nights for, for Jonathan, Jonathan Beldol to establish himself as that star. I think his sister is also singing the anthem as well. He has a handful yeah, of family right. members in attendance tonight too. Like it's, this is going to be a big night for him to, to show out and, and, and for a lot of flame, a lot of flames, flame, a lot of flames fans to get behind him as their their top line left winger, he is probably going to be the player I'm going to focus on the most. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I think you know we've got to remember. I mean, he he had 85 assists last year. He he tied Johnny Gaudreau for second in league, scoring 115 points. Obviously, was a Hart Trophy candidate. Again, he's he's an All Star. He's a great player. That's a fact. Huberto is very very good. Um, I do think the open question with Huberto is, you know, is he going, how is he going to, you know, be, is he going to be the play driver, like the guy on the top line in Calgary? Cause you know, he wasn't tasked with going up against top competition as often in Florida. That was Alexander Barkov's, you know, kind of space. He was the top line guy, Barkov and, and Huberto played on the second line. How is he going to adjust to being that guy who top defenders for the opponents are, are facing every single night? And, and how is the Calgary's new top line going to adjust to changes to two new wingers? Elias Lindholm is still there. It looks like it's going to be Huberto and Toffoli on his wings and I think last year what made the top line so great, and I hate, and I don't want to keep trying to compare it because it's a new season, it's a new team, and, and we'll turn the page on that. But I think what made the Flames' top line so good last year is it wasn't always one guy driving the line. It was how good the three of them meshed together. I thought they all complemented each other really well. I thought they all elevated each other's play, and I'm going to be really curious to see if if they can recreate some of that great top line chemistry with Lindholm, Huberto, and Toffoli. What have you seen? And we've got uh, just a couple minutes left with you, Julian, because I ramble a lot, which is, I guess, why they <laughs> gave me a show instead of just rambling on other people's shows. Like, here, just do it, do it yourself. Um, well but what have you show, made? <laughs> by the way. Congrats. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But what do you make of, of the top line so far? Are you seeing that they're trending in the right direction? I think they are. Uh, I, I really think with what Yvaldo's tried to do with with his vision, trying to find his guys. I feel like in, in some of the preseason games I've seen, he's doing more of that. It's just, it's just the challenge is just finishing. And I think a lot of pressure has been heaped upon a guy like Tyler Toffoli, who has shown that he's can, he can score goals and has played on top lines before he's done it in Vancouver. He did it in Montreal. He just has to get to a point where he's able to make that extra step where he can get that pass from, from Huberto. And and I think Lindholm, I think also is has I know early on in preseason he acknowledged with the chemistry being built up, it's a challenge with the amount of time that they had in preseason. But I can I expect him getting up to speed just off of the fact that those two at the very least uh, have been paired together, Beldo and, and Lindholm on different situations in practice, like when they've done four on four drills and stuff. You'll uh, will often see those two being patched up together. Um, so I, I think there's definitely something there. It's just a matter of being at the right place at the right time. I think Ubaldo is again, has done a good job of, of, of finding his teammates. It's just a matter of them being able to receive his passes and, and essentially just finish. And and that play that I referenced earlier, that play up the wing, I think that very much was a, like, you know, when you're trying to come up with an idea and you're struggling, you're struggling, you're struggling. And then you figure you get, Oh, the light bulb goes off. Like that's the first time we, that's one of the few times we've seen, the light bulb kind of go off. Or I don't know if another analogy works where like you're cooking spaghetti and then you take a strand and then you throw it on a wall and you hope it sticks. Like that is a strand of spaghetti sticking onto the wall. We're seeing progress. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we know that his wingers can score. Elias Lindholm, 42 goals last season. Tyler Toffoli, six-time 20-goal scorer in the NHL. Daryl's called him the only naturally gifted goal scorer on the team last year. So we'll see how it all works out. Thanks a lot, Julian. Thanks so much for having me. Peace. <laughs> see ya. All right, there goes Julian McKenzie, Calgary Flames beat writer for The Athletic on the Atlas Pizza Hotline. Brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. Dine in at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. We're going to head to a break. When we come back, Mike McKenna, former NHL goalie, NHL analyst with DFO. He'll be coming on on Hockey Central, Sportsnet 960. This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back. It's a Calgary Flames game day. It's a long offseason, busy offseason by the Calgary Flames. They're back tonight against the Colorado Avalanche. We are standing by. Going to be joined by Mike McKenna, former NHL goalie, now an NHL analyst with Daily Faceoff. He's expected to join us here momentarily, hopefully, because I want to talk to a former goalie about Jacob Markstrom, flame starter. Again, no surprise, he's going to be starting the game tonight against the Colorado Avalanche. What does he expect from Markstrom this season? What do you guys expect? Text line's open, 960-960. I know Markstrom had a great regular season. He was a finalist for the Vesna. I think that was much deserved. Nine shutouts. I think there was there was a point last year I remember doing a mailbag for the Athletic, and one of the questions was, are we going to see Jacob Markstrom break Mika Kiprasov's record for shutouts in a single season? I was like, oh, there's no, there's no way that's going to happen. That that seems that seems like an untouchable one. Doesn't happen that often. And then early season, I was like, oh my goodness, I I'm gonna gladly be wrong about this that would be that would be awesome to see and then and then it kind of ended at nine for Jacob Markstrom but he had a great regular season I think one of the things that was maybe lost in the star turn for somebody like Jake Ottinger everyone knew how great he was in the first round of the playoffs but Jacob Markstrom was the winning goalie in that playoff round it was excellent he gave the Flames exactly what they needed a chance to win every night even when the Offense was drying up, even when there was defensive deficiencies, whatever you might want to say, went wrong in that series for the Calgary Flames. Jacob Markstrom was there. Didn't necessarily work out that way in the second round against Edmonton. But I think because of what we saw, I think we're going to see a really motivated Jacob Markstrom. I think what's going to maybe help him is if Dan Vladar takes that next step and can earn some more trust from Daryl Sutter maybe play a couple more games so Markstrom's not playing 75, 80 games when it's all said and done this season. And I'm saying 80 because if you believe that the Flames are going to be a contender, then they're probably going to go pretty deep in the playoffs. So it'll get up there. You want him fresh. But we've got Mike McKenna, former NHL goalie. Let's bring him in on the Atlas Pizza Hotline. Now an NHL analyst with Daily Faceoff. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Oh, no problem. Doing great. Uh, happy to get on here. Sometimes... It's crazy. Sometimes things emails end up in spam boxes and you end up screwing things up. That's on my end today. So I'm pumped, man. Like how much hockey did we have to watch last night? It feels like we're back to normal and plenty of runway here for the next couple months to get going. It was awesome. And it's so hard for me because the, the show's an hour. It's from from one to two mountain time, sports at 960 in Calgary. And today I was like, oh, my God, there was so many things. I, I want to talk about everything. There was six games last night, 10 tonight. I need I need more time. I need yeah. more hours to talk about everything because I have a lot of thoughts. I love I love hockey. Obviously, you kind of have to if you want to work in this business because it's a lot. It's a lot of hockey. But it's awesome. There's there's so much to dig into, and I'm so excited to have you on here for, for the next little bit because particularly the goalie carousel went round and round this offseason, as it kind of typically does. And we got a first look at some, some guys, Matt Murray last night, uh, Jack Campbell. We're going to see him. It's expected we're going to see him as the starter in Edmonton, barring something unforeseen for the Flames in the Battle of Alberta on Saturday, the first one of the season. I didn't love Matt Murray's start in Toronto last night. 
What did you think about some of the, the, the new faces in their new homes? We saw Alexander Gorgiev in Colorado, his first start. I'm not sure if we're going to see him tonight against the Calgary Flames. Maybe because he didn't have to do a whole lot against Chicago, but, but we'll see it as a pretty tight back-to-back in the first two games of the season. You don't want to tire out your number one that early. But, but what did you think, Mike, about some of the new goalies that we saw make their debuts with their new teams? Yeah, you know, I'd expect Francois to play this evening. Um, anytime there's a back-to-back scenario, especially at the start of the year, it's pretty taboo to run a goalie twice in a row, especially on a team that's as good as the Colorado Avalanche. Um, you know, when you look at the the kind of hot ticket games from last night, mm-hmm. you know, obviously all eyes were on Matt Murray in Toronto. All eyes were on Jack Campbell in Edmonton, and I really clued in on those as well. And, you know, it's funny because it was kind of a reversal of games. Matt Murray's game was okay through half of it, and then – you know, a couple of goals late, the game falls apart. Canadians are able to beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I think with Murray's game, though, I, I have concerns with it. You know, he's still mm-hmm. not tracking the puck the way he did when he was younger. He still plays the game so low and wide that he has a hard time staying square to shots uh, and being able to track pucks laterally as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, he gets into trouble with that. So I haven't seen much from Murray that looks any different previously than what has been his struggles in three past three seasons. You can write off a bad season for a goalie, but when it's been three consecutive, it's, it's hard to come back from that. It really yeah. is. Now, now Jack Campbell, you know, to me, that's interesting because did he have a great start to the game? I don't think we could say that. I mean, the Oilers were down three to nothing, 21 minutes in, but you do have to account for how the goals go. You know, Pedersen's driving the net, whatever. JT Miller, absolute rocket right past his shoulder. And and I get it's a clean shot. Now, Haley, we're at the point in the world now where goalies aren't allowed to allow clean shots in that anymore. It's automatically a bad goal. Well, Mm -hmm. if you break it down where that puck went in compared to, let's say, Matt Murray's goal against on Cole Caulfield, the JT Miller goal on Campbell, JT Miller plucked a spot that was six inches by 14 inches versus Murray, who gave up a quarter of the net. So I'm okay with that one for Campbell. I thought Campbell was absolutely phenomenal, though, in the second period. And I Mm -hmm. thought that he kept Edmonton in that game. He made a breakaway save early in the second period, right after Kuzmenko had scored to make it 3-0 in favor of Vancouver. And then he backed it up with more. One-timer saves on Pedersen. Another clean breakaway late in the second period. So I was really happy with Campbell's game. I wasn't encouraged by Murray's. And it's going to be tough in Toronto because – I don't know if he's going to face a lot of workload. He's not going to face a lot of shots. So that pressure mounts. The less shots you face, the bigger those saves are. Uh, and he's going to have to find another gear. I was uh, pinch hitting the the Athletic has Maple Leafs report cards after every game and something came up with the guy who usually does it. And And I don't want to say I felt bad. Maybe it's just because I read so many of the comments and started to feel bad. But I, I did not give Matt Murray a passing grade. I, I don't think that his defense Defenders helped him out in certain ways um, on the final goal, the game winner with 19 seconds left from Josh Anderson. I mean, Jake Muzzin gets turned around on the, the, the first play and then he, you know, to get saved by the miss, essentially, he turn, he gets turned around, poor defense play, and then he tries to clear the puck, puts it right on Anderson's stick. And then Justin Hall is, is I don't know what he's doing. He's screening Matt Murray. So Murray's cheating blocker side. So he looks like he's way out of position and has, you know, he's just not even there on the game winner. So sure, there's things that happen defensively that did not help out Matt Murray, but I have a hard time giving a goalie a passing grade in their debut when they post an 826. And and as you said, you don't get a lot of workload. You can't let four goals in when you're, for all the defensive deficiencies the Leafs had last night, for as sloppy as they look, for as bad as it might have been, they still outplayed the Canadians. They were still in the O-zone quite a bit more. And they only allowed 23 shots on goal. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know. Maybe I'm being harsh. I've never been a goalie. Maybe I shouldn't be because I don't know what I'm talking about. Put me in the net. I'll let in however, you know, terrible. I played goalie once when I played soccer and, and it didn't go well. I got very bored. I can't dial in like that. But I, it's just not something I was like, I can't give this a passable grade. You know, I, I played in the National League and didn't do very well at it. But I, at least it gives me <laughs> at least it gives me right to pass judgment on what I see with the eye test. And that's my concerns. You know, both of Caulfield's goals, even the first one that he scored where the puck goes from Murray's right to his left really quickly, Murray just defaulted to blocking. And Caulfield's able to short, score short side. And I thought it was a savable puck as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really think that too often I hear people say, oh, goalie had no chance. And as a former goalie, I'm going, 
That's wrong. We always mm-hmm. have a chance. You have to find a way to make a chance for yourself. There's so few layup goals. So mm-hmm. I agree, but I do want to temper this and say it is one game. I mean, oh, it's absolutely. just that the, the eye test for me with Murray is still just as concerning as it was last year versus the eye test for me for Campbell, especially if those are the two that I'll clue in on. I was really encouraged by what I saw last night. I thought that he was on top of his game. You mentioned, you know, goalies always have a chance. And the other thing you kind of mentioned with Matt Murray is he plays a lot low and wide. And I just think you start to think about and we start to shift now to the Calgary Flames who open their season tonight against Colorado. As mentioned a lot throughout this show, it's going to be a big game. I'm sure a lot of fans are very excited that the Flames are finally back. They're at the Saddle Dome. Get to see all these new faces. Um, But I want to talk about Markstrom because... When you talk about a goalie always having a chance, you know, that's a guy who battles. Like Even if Markstrom's not seeing the puck great or he's having an off night, he is someone who will battle in the crease to do what he can to stop the puck. And he's somebody who he's big. He's one of the tallest goalies in the league, six foot six. But I think the thing you see so often with him, too, is he doesn't drop down low right away. Like he stays up and big like he's a very intimidating goalie to go up against because he doesn't drop like Matt Murray does. Like Matt Murray makes more space in the net for the shooters to score on because he's dropping down too early. And I don't think you see that from Markstrom a lot. You see him when he's on, he's on his game. He's tracking the puck. He's very active in his crease. He's sealing his posts and, and he's just big. And, and with, with Jacob Markstrom, when he's on, it's hard to beat him because there's just no holes. Am I, am I way off here? Like, can you just tell us what makes Jacob Markstrom such a special goaltender? You know, a lot of Markstrom to me comes from working with Ian Clark in Vancouver, who's one of the goal. I mean, to me, he's a Mount Mount Rushmore goalie coach in the NHL. I was lucky to have him during my career as well. Um, and, and he's really ushered in, along with other goalie coaches. I'm just specifically because of the relationship Markstrom and Clark had. But he's ushered in kind of this new approach where when the puck's far away, you can stay upright in your stance. You don't have to stay low. You try to stay as balanced on your edges as you possibly can so that you can stay agile in the net. When you're, mm-hmm. when your feet are so far spread apart and you're so far on the inside edges, like just stand out in your driveway and try to move like that. It's hard to do. You can't rotate. You don't have any push because your knees are so bent and wide. So when you're more balanced, when you're a little more upright, you have a chance to adjust and you have a chance to get places on time. And when you mm-hmm. have that, you arrive earlier and you present big. Everything that you just said to me is what I describe to goalies that I'm either coaching or working with as presenting big. And you look at those goalies that have been with Clark, you look at Demko, you look at Markstrom, uh, Bobrovsky will do it when pucks higher as well. Like there's a method to this that you see. And now you look at Vasilevsky does it, Ottinger does it, Shostyrkin presents big. Mm -hmm. That's a key factor to me, you know? And, And I think, you know, there's goalies out there like, Let's say Logan Thompson in Vegas. This guy's got all the skill in the world, massively talented, but I think he's a little bit low and wide as well. And I wonder if that'll catch up to catch up to him in the same way as it does Murray, if he's not able to find a little bit better balance and play a little bit more upright when the puck's further away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sorry to put you on the spot with this, but I've got to ask, where does Jacob Markstrom kind of stack up for you when we're talking about starting goaltenders in the Western Conference or even just the Pacific Division, if I'm opening that up too much. Um, But where does he stack up and what kind of edge does he give the Calgary Flames? Well, I think Markstrom's a top-tier goalie in the NHL. And assigning rankings is really difficult. But to me, I mean, if you're paying somebody to be your starting guy, he's, he's easily top 10 to me, probably right in the top, I'd say five or six. Um, I think when you look at the Pacific, it's it's kind of a mixed bag right now because Campbell, to me, is still in a prove-it scenario. John Gibson, I think he's had a really tough last couple of years and hasn't adjusted. Well, by the way, he looked unbelievable last night. So mm-hmm. he looks like he's overhauled his game over the summer. So maybe we're going to see a resurgent John Gibson. Uh, Jonathan Quick, he hasn't adapted his game. Peterson, kind of the same way. So like when you're starting to look into the Pacific, I, I think Markstrom is – your front runner in that division in a lot of ways, unless you're looking at Demko, like he's the one that I think has the ability to, to challenge him, both Ian Clark guys. Um, but that's just kind of from the start of the year. The, the nice part though, for Calgary is that I think Dan Vladar has done a really good job and I, I would hope to see him more often this year. It's just mm-hmm. under Daryl Sutter. I don't expect that to happen. He loves to ride <laughs> yeah. one guy. That's his thing. Um, but I think that, in general, though, especially Calgary has done such a great job of building out their goalie department. Jordan Siglet is the head of it. Jason LaBarbera, good help that was down in Stockton, now in Calgary. That's the reason why you've got somebody like Wolf, 
who's knocking on the door that if you ask me, it's going to make a nice trade piece out of Daniel Vidar. I think that's what's going to eventually end up happening as Wolf ascends towards the NHL. That's really interesting. And I think there's so many fans who are excited to see what Dustin Wolf can do. I mean, he was the AHL goalie of the year last year. And the the conversation around him so often is, you know, he's small and, and you hear all the time, you know, big goalies, big players, whether it's a skater, uh, forward defense, bigger guys need to prove they can't, whereas a smaller guy needs to prove that they can. And all Dustin Wolf has done so far in his career is prove that he can win and he can he can win titles, he can win hockey games, and he can make big saves. So we'll see how his career continues to progress because I, I know there's a lot of fans who are very excited about Dustin Wolf. They should be. You know, there's a degree of detail to his game, and there's a level of, of success that he's already found at a young age. And really, for me, it's just a matter of backing that up. You know, you take a goalie that's the AHL goalie of the year, in my eyes, and especially at his age, you just want to see him have one more season where he carries the mail, and then you say, boom, we're ready. And that's kind of where Vladar's contract's out as well. So um, that's why you want to develop, though. Like, Haley, you, you develop goalies, you develop trade chips. You get mm-hmm. prospects back in return out of that. And that's why it's so important. It's not just for your team. It's for, for pieces of the puzzle that you can utilize down the road. Yeah, Vladar's a restricted free agent this offseason, I believe. So he's got some team control. Don't have mm-hmm. it right in front of me. I don't believe he's arbitration eligible, but somebody can correct me if I'm wrong there. So I think what well, you'll see, uh, as you said, you can sign Dan Vladar to, to a little bit more term until Dustin Wolf is ready to take that backup space. And then you can you got a really good trade chip and a really nice backup goalie in Dan Vladar. He is arbitration eligible. So I was incorrect. Mm-hmm. I just fired up Cat Friendly there. I think he there, may but... end up being like a Huso scenario. You trade for his yeah. rights, do the big signing. I could see that easily happening with Vladar, but I know that the organization does love him. And there's really a belief that he will be a starting goalie in the NHL. Yeah, he's great. I'm a big fan of Dan Vladar. He's very, very nice. I said a lot last year that if he was like in <laughs> Toronto in one of those markets, it would be Jack Campbell level conversations about how nice this guy is all the time. So uh, lots of us in the media are fans of, of just having a nice chat with Dan Vladar because he's great. I've got 60 seconds left with you, Mike. I'm going I'm going over time here because you were late. I'm so sorry. Sports Center Today is coming fault. up next. No, no, no. I ramble. It's my fault, too. It's fine. I said I need more hours. I actually don't need more hours. One hour is totally fine for me to talk to myself and talk to people. But can you give me one bold prediction, whether it's goalies, teams, whatever, one bold prediction this season before I let you go? I got one. This is my biggest. I think Pete DeBoer wins the Jack Adams. I think the Dallas Stars finish second in the Central Division, and I think Pete DeBoer takes home the Jack Adams. Oh, wow. And that was really tight. Less than 60 seconds. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Look at Thank his track you. record. First year with first year with the Devils, first year with San Jose, first year with Vegas. He's been lights out with those teams as a head coach. So I like that club in Dallas, especially with Ottinger in that. Mm-hmm. He was a he was a star in round one. You don't have to tell Flames fans about that. Mike, thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate you so your welcome. time. Thanks for having me on, Haley. No problem. There goes Mike McKenna, former NHL goalie, NHL analyst with the daily face-off on the Atlas Pizza Hotline. That chat was brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner. For takeout or delivery, call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. I'm over time. There's another show coming up here. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. This has been Hockey Central on Sportsnet 960. Calgary Flames, Colorado Avalanche, one of 10 games coming up on the schedule on Thursday night. Thanks, everyone, for listening. and Enjoy all the games tonight and enjoy the Flames.